The Oklahoma Sooners beat the UTEP Miners 45-13. to We're going to break it down on the offensive and defensive side of the ball and give you our takeaways from Brent Venable's first game as head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners on tonight's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation, and welcome to Locked On Sooners. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms. Also, subscribe to the show over on YouTube. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my work covering the Sooners over at Soonerswire.com. He's Josh Humry. You can follow Josh on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. Josh, man, what a weekend it was for the Oklahoma Sooners, Brent Venables, the whole shebang. It was, man. We've been waiting on this thing for a long time. And while the students, of course, in a tradition unlike any other, did in fact leave as regularly scheduled, man, I really thought, you know, those Grinches aside, I thought it was a, a great debut for Brent Venables. I love the video that kind of was making the rounds of Brent Venables afterwards in the locker room, I thought was great. Just all of it, I thought was terrific for Oklahoma. And quite frankly, you know, you you know, just big overarching picture here. You win the game 45 to 13. Okay, we can sit here and dissect this thing left and right. But generally speaking, this was the kind of debut you were looking for. So I thought very, very positive. Yeah, when you get up 21 nothing just within the first 10 minutes of the football game, things are going pretty well for you as a football program. And that's exactly what happened on the offensive side of the football the, the pace was there, like everything that we've been hearing about the breakneck speed in which Jeff Levy wants to run his offense was readily witnessed. I mean, they scored those three touchdowns in under two minutes on each drive. I mean, I think in game time total, it took less than six minutes of time of possession for the Sooners to get out to a big lead. And they had just about everything going. You know, it was a big run, you know, at one point from Eric Gray or a big pass play to Marvin Mims, or we saw the Gavin Freeman touchdown run, which was incredible just i mean you cannot draw something up that well for a walk-on freshman's first touch in college football to do what he did i mean we can spend a whole segment talking about that but the grit and toughness that jumped off the screen in that moment i think kind of fully encapsulates what brent venables wants this football team to be you get an opportunity Yes, these guys are coming to crush your 5'8", 5'9", self, and you see it coming, but you're prepared for it, and you've got the physical makeup to be able to make something happen with it. And, I mean, I feel like that was just a, a microcosm of what Brent Venables wants this team to be, and it was, it was huge, man. Just So offensively, as you look at the, the game, we can talk about Dylan Gabriel to start. What was kind of your big takeaways from his performance? I thought Dylan Gabriel was really good, man. Uh, I thought he was under control. I thought he he looked like, again, a guy that's played a lot of college football, right? You look around the nation in college football, and especially week zero, week one, you can see some really bad offense. You can see some really bad defense. You can see some overall not very good play. I didn't feel like we saw that from Dylan Gabriel offensively I thought you know again you look at the final tally for him 15 of 23 233 yards couple of touchdowns 
Uh, I thought he was, you know, good at times, getting the ball down the field and, and, you know, just kind of really across the board, pretty accurate for Oklahoma. Again, just really was struck by the fact that, okay, Oklahoma's getting here what they thought they were going to get in Dylan Gabriel, which again, John, is just a proven starting quarterback, right? Yeah, exactly. He he was efficient. I mean, he had a really good completion percentage. He was in control of, a, of an offense that needs their quarterback to be in control. Like, you got to have somebody that's able to direct that pace. It's like the point guard in, a, in an up-tempo basketball team. Like, unless you have somebody that can drive the pace on the field, it's going to be hard to run at the pace that they want to run at. And Dylan Gabriel did that. He had everybody where they needed to be, had them lined up well. If we want to nitpick a few throws, we can do that. There was definitely a couple of places where he missed. I think on the Marvin Mims throw to start the game, I think that's more just they've got Marvin Mims bracketed. They've got a safety over the top. They've got a, a defensive back underneath, and he's trying to put it in a position where only Marvin Mims is going to be able to get to it if anybody can get to it. So I, I will, I'll give him that a little bit, but and I'm sure that there's throws that he wants back. But you're – you're going to be a little bit geeked up for your first start on Owen field in front of that 83,000 fans. You know, the energy is going to be up. You're going to be trying to make plays, trying to make things happen. And sometimes it's going to cause you to press and maybe overthrow a few guys at times. And that, that's just going to happen. But overall, yeah, he had a very efficient day was in command and, you know, we ran down the stats and then, you know, on, in the run game, in the read option game, I thought he made some really, really good decisions on those plays where, he didn't keep it every single time, but the times that he kept it, there were productive plays. And he had the 12-yard touchdown run to start the game with the running game. I mean, that was a group that ran for 259 yards. Even if you want to take away Gavin Freeman's 46-yard touchdown run on the reverse, that's still, you know, what, 213 yards as a group that Dylan Gabriel and the running backs, you know, uh, compiled on the day. I thought they were really good. You know, and it starts with Eric Gray, who rushed for 102 yards on the day. Yeah, uh, so just real quick before jumping into the Eric Gray portion of this conversation, I, I liked that touchdown run from Dylan Gabriel. You, you talked a little bit about his just read option ability, but I like the fact that he wasn't in – look, it's going to scare you a little bit with a quarterback, right? You're like, I don't know about that versus UTEP in game one, but I kind of dug the fact that he wasn't afraid to sort of take a hit trying to get into the end zone and be a little bit physical from the quarterback position for Oklahoma. Again – Probably not something that we need to see be a, a regular habit for one Dylan Gabriel, but in bits and pieces, if Oklahoma needs that, I like some of the mobility we saw on that play from Dylan Gabriel. And again, his ability to kind of take a hit when need be. So I just, I thought across the board, he was really good. I thought, you know, in the second quarter where Oklahoma offensively sputtered a little bit with some of its main guys, you know, at times he was either getting hit or about to get hit, found a couple of pressure on several plays and, more than anything, John, I like that he didn't necessarily force any bad decisions. I thought that was something that in a game versus UTEP, yeah, you'd probably not like to have to see any of that. But I thought when he did get uh, some of those situations, I thought he was, you know, I thought he was calculated. I didn't think he made a bunch of bad decisions out there, which was a good sign for OU. For Eric Gray, we were wondering, right, what was this running back position going to look like for Oklahoma? One game in, he looks like somebody that deserves to have this starting job. For Oklahoma, 16 carries, 102 yards rushing. I thought uh, Marcus Major was really, really good in relief of uh, Eric Gray. Obviously, he had a couple of touchdown runs uh, in his own right. So I just thought uh, the running backs themselves in this game, John, uh, if you had question marks, which I'll be the first to admit, hey, at times over this offseason, I've wanted to see a little bit more from both Eric Gray and Marcus Major. 
One game in, yeah, it's just UTEP. I thought both Eric Gray and Marcus Major ran hard. I thought they ran well, and I feel a little bit better about the running back position one game into the books. Yeah, I think what you saw is the things that we kind of expected. We saw elusiveness from Eric Gray. We saw the agility to make guys miss. And I think we did see some tough running from him as well. You know, the fourth and two, fourth and one that that they picked up as they're trying to kind of pick up more momentum offensively in the second quarter. That was a great run by Eric Gray. Marcus Major, man, he brought the thunder. Like if if we're gonna call anything, you know, thunder and lightning, like I feel like this is the the potential for this this duo right here between Marcus Major and Eric Gray. I, I think Offensive line, you know, they're a big part of that. I thought they blocked well. There weren't many times where it seemed like that there were free guys in the backfield. Uh, obviously, Gabriel did get some pressure at times, but it wasn't all the time. And I think one of the the positive byproducts of Jeff Levy's offense is that he's going to get the ball out of his quarterback's hands a little bit quicker than in Lincoln Riley's offense, where it's not as many slower developing plays. I think that benefits the quarterback. Yes, will there be pressure at times? Absolutely, because people are going to get covered. I think the one sack he took was a coverage sack. There just wasn't anything open. Uh, but I think overall, the offensive line played pretty well. What were your kind of big takeaways from that? Yeah, I, I thought they were mostly good. I mean, obviously, you in the game and just rushing the football, you average 6.8 per rush, which against UTEP, you ought to average 6.8 per rush or maybe a little bit north of that. I mean, it was it was in the type of neighborhood that it should have been. Again, yeah, Dylan Gabriel saw a little bit of pressure. He didn't see a lot of pressure. So all in all, you know, offensive line, one game in. I don't know that I was just overwhelmed that Oklahoma has this Joe Moore award-winning offensive line, in part because, again, you're playing UTEP. But uh, I didn't come away and say, okay, there's a bunch of glaring weaknesses up front. No, it was solid, and it was a solid group. They opened up some good holes for Eric Gray and Marcus Major to run through. Javante Barnes, when he got in the game, you know, his first carry had a huge hole to run through and just got downhill really, really fast. And so I thought that was really encouraging. Like against a team like UTEP, you should be able to open up some holes and make some plays on the running game, especially when you get late in the game and they know you're going to run. That's when you have to be able to be more, uh, more capable of executing, and they were able to do that. So. Uh, on the pass catching side of things, we can talk Braden Willis, you know, Marvin Mims. I, I thought like there were solid games across the board from the pass catchers, but really Braden Willis is the one that really stood out to me. Just his total package ability as a tight end. Had the what long of 28, obviously a couple of touchdown grabs, which is just, he, well, he had the, the two touchdown grabs for Oklahoma, which is just great to see, man. Good for him. He in a campaign, that is going to go a long ways in determining, okay, is Braden Willis a NFL draftable guy, right? And where in this, you know, 2023 NFL draft necessarily is he? Is he a last three couple of rounds, guys? Or is he, you know, top three, top four round kind of guy? I thought, you know, obviously this season we know, right? I mean, no brainer. Braden Willis has a ton to prove. He's the leading guy for Oklahoma at the tight end position. And he got off to a great start, which is not a surprise to me, John, but it's just good to see him do that. Yeah, and then for the rest of the receivers, Marvin Mims ties for the team lead in targets with four. According to Pro Football Focus, you had four guys get four targets. Braden Willis, Theo Wies, Marvin Mims, and Jaleel Farouk. Jaleel Farouk was the only one that didn't convert the four, you know, more than half of those targets. He had just had one reception for nine yards. 
Uh, Willis, three for four, sorry, three catches, 40 yards on four targets. Theo Weiss, three catches, 37 yards. I was excited to see Theo Weiss back. His big you know, run after the catch where he broke a tackle and, and made it a made his way down the field. I thought that was huge. I think that was something that was sorely missing last year, and it's good to have that back. We know Mims is going to win down the field. We know that Braden Willis is going to be able to win up the middle of the field. You need to have somebody that can win in the kind of the short area part of the field and then make guys miss and create big plays because if you're having to slog away 10, 12 play drives and you can't get anything going down the field, you got to have a guy that can take a, a seven-yard reception and turn it into a 20-yard gain every, every so often. It's not going to happen every time, but you got to have that guy that can create a big play on his own. And, and having Theo Weiss back was huge. Totally agree. Yeah, and we know that he's got the propensity to do some of those things right there that you're talking about, which is the yak yardage, right? The explosive after the catch. And uh, obviously, just great to see him back. So nice that after the injury, he's back. We knew that he was going to be a key cog in the receiving core for Oklahoma. And uh, there he was, back out there making plays uh, a little bit surprised. We didn't see a little bit more of uh, some of the younger guys just didn't necessarily play out that way. Maybe we will coming up this week, but uh, right now, I mean, kind of the, the three main receivers that we thought would be the three main receivers for Oklahoma, one game in the books. Those are the three main receivers for Oklahoma. We'll see if that continues or if there's any wiggle room there, but uh, right now it's kind of looking like Mims, Weiss, Farouk. Yeah, so far. I think Jalil Farouk opened the door a little bit for, for some more competition for maybe a Jaden Gibson or Nick Anderson because he had, a, he had a pretty bad drop at one point where the ball was just right on his hands and he dropped it. Um, I'm not one of these guys that believes in, you know, kind of marching out every single drop. Drops happen. It's a, it's a thing. But when you're making your first start and you get as many opportunities as anybody else on the field at the wide receiver position – and you only convert one of those targets for a catch. I, I think it just kind of opens the door for more potential questions and competition. Uh, and the Oklahoma Sooners, they've got some wide receivers that can make plays. They were not shy about playing freshmen, especially true freshmen this week. And so it wouldn't surprise me to see against Kent State that maybe we get a little bit more of that um, uh, in week two. So we're going to talk about the defensive side of the football. There's a lot of really intriguing things that happened, a lot of good things that happened. But first, I want to talk to you about Built Bar. If you haven't tried Built Bar yet, what are you waiting for? Built Bar is where it's at. And you can try something called Built Puffs. It's great tasting cookie dough chunk puffs with only 160 calories. It's got that marshmallow texture. If you love marshmallow, you're a big fan of the moon pie. Well, this is kind of the better option because it's got 15 grams of protein and it's low in sugar. Built.com is the place to go to get all of your protein bar needs. Myself, I love the mint brownie, the peanut butter brownie. Built bars are fantastic. I eat one just about every single day, but go get a Built Puff. They're fantastic as well. The cookie dough chunk puff is great, and they've got other great flavors as well. And you can get 15% off your next order using our promo code LOCKEDON15 at Built.com. Again, that's LOCKEDON15 at built.com okay josh so we're going to talk about the defensive side of the football and we'll just start from front and we'll work our way back just the defensive line their ability to create a little bit of pressure what did you think from from them nice to see yeah i mean obviously what you were looking for i thought really both sides of the football but obviously since we're talking defensive line and going front to back here of oklahoma's defense i thought reggie grimes was the player i was most taken by either side of the football. And obviously that applies here defensive line for Oklahoma. You know, for somebody that 
in last year's Valero Alamo Bowl, I kind of thought went missing in action in a very, very big moment and opportunity for himself. I thought it was great to see Reggie Grimes have the two-and-a-half sack day, two-and-a-half tackle for loss day that he had in this game. I mean, he, to me, I was honestly, John, I was kind of surprised when I saw Reggie Grimes listed as one of the starting uh, defensive ends for Oklahoma just based on kind of what Stripling had done in said bowl game and what Reggie Grimes hadn't done in said bowl game. Maybe that's putting too much into what we saw versus Oregon in one game. But anyways, with, with all of that being said, he was great. He was great in this game and he looks like somebody that's going to be a difference maker, I think for Oklahoma up front. And I'm happy because Reggie Grimes is one of the easy guys to root for on this team. And as a unit, they played really, really well against the run in particular. I mean, they only allowed a net total of 27 yards rushing on the day uh, for the first half. They held UTEP to negative rushing yards. I think it was like negative 19 rushing yards. Uh, so to me, that's just really, really good team defense in particular. But the guys up front, Isaiah Coe, Jalen Redmond, Jeffrey Johnson, jo- you know, Joshua Kelly, uh, sorry, Jordan Kelly, Joshua Ellison, um, Ethan Downs, this unit just played really, really well up front. They played really tight and then made things a lot easier for the linebacker crew. And we did see that linebacker crew very active. Danny Stutzman in particular had nine total tackles to tie for the team lead. David Igwebu had a sack. And, and I think you saw something that is going to be apparent with Brent Venable's defense, and that's effort, energy, physicality, toughness, and you know, a, a desire to make things happen and not just be kind of a, you know, ride the coattails of the offense. They're wanting to make plays out there. What were your, what was your big takeaway from the linebacker group? Well, I thought Stutzman looks like he's ready to transition into stardom for Oklahoma. I mean, the one play he made where he just came in and stonewalled, I, I forget who it was for UTEP. It was like, okay, wow, this looks like, you know, it looks like your sooner linebacking greats of old. I think that he's definitely got that potential, and I we saw a little bit of that. I thought Jaron Canick on the one snap that was kind of going viral. It's like, okay, well, now, now you see the potential you've got in a youngster there. So I just think generally speaking, and not necessarily specific to the linebackers, John, I get it's UTEP. I'm not going to get totally out over my skis or carried away here. Let's see what happens with Kent State. Let's see what happens with Nebraska. And, of course, everybody in the Big 12. But I just think you're starting to see a defense, and it's one game in. But Brent Venables and his staff, because of who they are and what they've accomplished, John, they have this defense believing they can be great at Oklahoma. And I saw we, I think we saw, I should say, in this first game, our first glimpses of that, that you're seeing some guys that have done nice things for Oklahoma in the past or somebody like a Danny Stutzman, a Reggie Grimes that you kind of been, okay, well, now it's time for the next step. All of these guys collectively, John, they just kind of exude the, the belief, the confidence that, okay, this thing is turning itself around from a defensive standpoint here in Norman. And they believe this coaching staff has them believing, okay, we're about to go play championship level defense, which is great to see. I mean, it's refreshing. And I think the thing that helps create that belief is they know what they're doing. Like there, there's nobody out there that's lost, even though they're in the first game of Brent Venable's system. You didn't see guys making mental errors, mental mistakes, 
I mean, yeah, there were a couple penalties that extended drives, but the guys were right where they needed to be. They just, you know, got a little bit beat. And so they tugged on a jersey a little bit and got called for the pass interference. It happens. You're, you're going to get that called against you sometimes. Danny Stutzman had one of the pass interference calls that was on a drive that led to a touchdown. It's okay. That's just the way the, the flag goes sometimes. It goes against you. But a lot of that confidence, it's not just coach speak. It's coach preparation and player preparation helping to get these guys confident and believing in what they're going to do because they've put all the work in. And so because of all the work that they've put in all the hard work under with Schmitty in the film room, you know, in the weight room as a group, as a unit, as a team, it's helped them to feel confident that when they get out on the field, they're going to be the tough team that Brent Venables wants them to be. They're going to be more physical. You know, McCade hired. He talked about it. He said, we're going to be more physical and we're going to be tougher than anybody. He said that during fall camp so far week one, that was the case. They were the tougher team out there, but a lot of it comes back to when you know what you're supposed to be doing, you can play confidently. And I know there was a lot of talk about how at times UTEP seemed to have a lot of open running room in, in Oklahoma zone, but that happens. Like when you play zone defense, the idea is that there's going to be open spaces Sometimes the quarterback just makes good throws or the receiver finds the soft spot in the zone. There's always going to be a soft spot in a zone. But Oklahoma's defenders were where they were supposed to be. A lot of times it was just like the, the pass was just over the fingertips of the defender, just missed you know, a, a deflection. And I think that's what's really encouraging is, is that we saw a lot of zone defense, not wanting to give away a whole lot of the man zone looks or the man looks or a lot of the blitz packages that they're wanting to run later in the season. And in zone, playing you know pretty vanilla in the back end, Oklahoma was still able to make a lot of plays. They were making plays on the football. They were creating coverage sacks. They were getting to the quarterback, creating pressure. So I think that's part of what's really encouraging. And part of that is the development of Billy Bowman, another guy who has a lot of promise and we were really excited about last year who earned himself an opportunity to play as a true freshman. Looks like he's taking it another step too. He was all over the place. And he tied for the team lead with nine tackles. He's got some work to do to continue to build on that, but I thought it was a really encouraging start for him as well. A couple of pass deflections, yeah, for for Billy Bowman in this game. No, he was kind of what has been advertised throughout this offseason and throughout this camp for Oklahoma that Billy Bowman had really turned the corner into being one of the defensive leaders for Oklahoma. This is so not to do with really anything that happened personnel-wise on the field. But just early in the game, I, you know, again, you think about moments in this game that stood out or just, you know, pieces of the telecast that stick with you. And I don't remember which drive it was for UTEP, but Oklahoma came away with a stop early when they raced out to the 21 to nothing lead. And Miguel Chavis sprints five yards onto the field, holding up the its fourth down sign. I mean, it's just like the buzz around this program with this coaching staff. That was something that, I mean, again, is – that's we're defense specific to Miguel Chavis here, but it's just like the way this coaching staff is reaching these guys just feels so good through one game. And obviously, it, you know, all the way through the off season as well. Yeah. There's, there's so much energy. And we talk a lot about Brent Venable's energy, but it filters down to the rest of the coaching staff. I mean, they're doing the warmups and Braden Willis is leading the jumping jacks through the sooner they get finished. And he does the little jump shoulder bump with Jay Valai at the end of the video. Like, Javali, Braden Willis out there, you know, getting pumped, getting hyped. 
And, you know, Velai, he's kind of like that same Miguel Chavis, you know, mold, maybe not as intense, but someone who's going to, you know, get out there and, and celebrate with the guys and, and, you know, make sure that they know what they're doing is good stuff. And, yeah, man, it, I think that enthusiasm is infectious, and you see it with the team. And I think we, we saw some of that in Brent Venable's reaction when he got a game ball from Joseph Haraz and Joe Castiglione, and then the team's reaction to – his emotional reaction to that moment, just the just feeling all of the emotions, everything that's built up over 30 years of a, of a career that's led to this moment. And I was talking with my wife about it, you know, just we we're talking about how, you know, moved he was in the moment. I'm like, yeah, he's, he's been waiting for this moment his whole career and to be able to do it at a place that is home for him, not just any school, it's a place that he loved to be at and obviously has loved being back with guys that have a hundred percent bought in. We've heard about it since December. Like these guys have bought into everything that this coaching staff wants them to be. And so everything is just kind of coming together at the right time. And to get that first win for Brent Venables, I mean, I think everybody was moved watching him and receive that game ball and, um, I think that just goes to show just what this, what they've been able to do in such a short period of time in changing culture in changing the feel around this program. You can't help but notice it. It's really pretty special. You know, I mean, it's just neat to, again, see that illustration from Brent Venables of how much this being the head football coach at Oklahoma, how much winning that game just being the head coach, really, right? I mean, not not even just the symbolic nature of of getting the game ball and being the head coach at OU. It's uh, it's awesome, right? If you're an Oklahoma fan, it it almost moves you, right? And it probably for some of you out there does move you a little bit to see somebody care that much about what they're doing. And again, you just for me, I think about with Brent Venables for how many years we sat there and talked about ah. Nah, he's good. He's he's a defensive coordinator at Clemson, and he doesn't want to do anything else. And obviously, there probably was, you know, there were levels of truth to that. But typically, everybody wants to advance in their life, advance in their career. And you're kind of waiting for the perfect opportunity. And Oklahoma is and was the perfect opportunity for Brent Venables. And again, that moment, perfect illustration of that. Yeah, and it's it's going to be exciting to see where this team goes because we're just, we're just getting started. I mean, we've got a lot of football season left, thankfully. I mean, that first weekend was so much fun. Let's do it 11 more times. Hey, let's do it 14 more times or 13 more times. However many it would take to get to a national championship game. Let's do it that many more times, but yeah, it's just a fun weekend, a fun Saturday. We got some great takeaways from those of you who follow us on Twitter at locked on Sooners. We're not going to be able to get to all of them in this show, but there's one I want to touch on just right off the top and we'll get to the others on our next show. Uh, but it's this one. He says, this is from Preston Hudson at Preston, bunch of numbers. He says, normally you establish the run to open up the pass lanes. We came out throwing the ball down the field to open up the run game. I love that approach. When Riley's run first approach didn't work, we struggled all game to get offensive production and played our entire hand at once. Josh, your thoughts on that one. I think it's a, a really good point. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you do have to, operate in reverse the traditional line of thinking is okay run to set up the pass but 
in today's day and age in football, I mean, it's kind of like you got a lot of people out there that are totally committed to selling out to try and stop the run. And occasionally, yeah, you got to do the opposite. You got to pass to set up the run. And I agree with what Preston is saying there. I do think early that like that first drive, you mentioned it right off the top, just the scoring drives for Oklahoma. And it was pass led, uh, you know, to start, but five plays, 75 yards, buck 17, six plays, uh, 93 yards, 148, two plays, 55 yards, 30 seconds. I mean, it was quick. It was fast. And yeah, a lot of it was, okay, let's, let's get the football down the field. Let's uh, throw the football and then boom, set up the run. And sometimes, I mean, you, you got to do that, right? I mean, you kind of take what the defense has given you and the great offensive coordinators in football, they figure out very quickly. It's like, okay, well they're, they're selling out to stop the run here. So boom, let's sling it. And even when they're not, even when they are playing too deep and they're playing shell coverage, you got to figure out a way to push the ball down the field anyway, because unless you're willing to do it, even against not so great coverage looks, other defense, like we saw last year, they're going to play, you know, two deep safeties. They're going to play cover four and they're going to force you to throw everything underneath. Well, so if you don't throw it down the field, you don't stress them downfield. You don't make them think, okay, we're going to throw the ball downfield. You got to be aware of it. Then all they can, all they can do is, or all they're going to do is just sit on everything 10 yards in. And so even the plays that didn't get completed, they're very valuable because it says like, Hey, you're bracketing Marvin Mims. I don't care. I'm throwing the ball to Marvin Mims. I'm going to put it in a spot where only he's going to catch it, but I'm still going to throw it. I don't care. And what that does is it does soften them up a little bit because it makes them consider like, Oh, even if we do play too high, Marvin Mims is still a threat. We're not completely taking him out of the game plan just because we're playing too high safety, which is what happened a lot last year. And so when they do that, not only do they have to be aware, but also the linebackers playing underneath, they have to be aware too that they could throw over the top of us 15 yards down the field, 20 yards down the field. And then that's when Eric Gray, Marcus Major get a little bit more running room underneath. You can't you know, play single high and eight in the box against Oklahoma all the time and expect to win and expect to be successful because eventually they will get beat deep. But what's important is as an offensive coordinator, as a quarterback, even when the looks aren't favorable, sometimes you got to take a shot. Because that's what makes the team that you're playing believe that you're going to take a shot. You know, they always talk about, you know, using the run to set up the pass. And and the old school mentality is even if there's nine in the box, you run it no matter what. Well, even if it's, you know, soft coverage and you're playing against, you know, two deep safety and they got, you know, five in the backfield, the defensive backfield, you throw it anyway, because again, it's going to open things up for the running game underneath. And so I, I love the approach from, you know, Jeff Levy, Dylan Gabriel, Marvin Mims, it's like, hey, we're going to we're going to throw it to Marvin Mims, whether he's covered or whether he's not. And they were able to complete one you know, a little bit later in the game. But got to give it give the opportunities to Marvin Mims to make big plays because we saw it in the Texas game. I mean, they, they showed it the highlight in the the uh, the build up to the season opener. You know, Marvin Mims making those 50 50 catches. You just got to throw the ball sometimes. And you got to put the ball up there and let him go make a play because he's that kind of a player that's able to do that. It didn't work out in the first deep ball. It worked out later in the game. So I love the approach. Again, so we've got some other great takeaways over there at Locked On Sooners. We'll keep collecting them to get ready for our next episode because, again, there's just a lot to talk about from this game. And there were a lot of really, really great points made. Josh, is there anything else that you want to touch on before we get out of here just on this game in particular? 
I'm sure that there'll be plenty more to dissect over the course of the week. We will, like you said, I mean, let's keep hitting those fan responses over the course of this week. I, I don't know that there's anything in particular that just jumps out. I mean, I think we kind of ran the the main gambit of sort of what my general thoughts were. Dylan Gabriel, great start for him. Eric Gray, I thought terrific uh, as a, a running back. Probably just the pass game across the board. I'd like to see more wide receivers involved than what we got. But uh, generally speaking, I just thought 45 to 13, first game of the Brent Venables era. Yeah, I mean, cool. It could have been 52 to nothing, and that would have been great. But generally speaking, being realistic, I think that we saw, you know, a lot of what we wanted to see. It wasn't perfect. This wasn't an Oklahoma team that went out there and looked like, you know, what Georgia did to Oregon, per se. There's still plenty of work for this team to do, but I thought it was a very positive start to the Venables era. Yeah, and anytime you can cover a spread that's more than 30 points, that's a win. I mean, not just for the the gambler, but I think for a program, you know, that you were favored, but to win by you know more than 30, and you were able to do that. I think that's huge. Brent Venables, 1-0 now covering the spread, so – Keep that in your uh, your splits, your, your statistical splits there as you go to bet online uh, to get ready for Kent State. Right now, Oklahoma opening as a 30, minus 32 favorite over Kent State. The over-under set at 71. Um, that's quite interesting to me. But uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that later in the week as well. We've got so many great things still to talk, on, talk about and touch on from this game. 1-0 Sooners moving on to Kent State. We'll start breaking that game down Wednesday, Thursday of this week and uh, get you ready for the weekend. But that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Sooners. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. Again, we're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Go hit the subscribe button over there. Hit the notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Until next time, he's Josh Helmer. I'm John Williams. We'll catch you then. Boomer Sooner. <laughs>